about no. Listen, <laughs> has he gone blue? No, no, no. That's the lazy man's comedy. This is—it's not a porno. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, but this is not a porno. And Eva, this week's film Eva has a lot, a lot of seventies porno music in it. Or think about this: maybe seventies porno used the soundtrack from this film. Discuss. Whilst you're discussing. <laughs> Here's a little clip of actual dialogue from the film. Now, see if you can guess who some of these voices are. There's three guys in this scene. See if you can guess any of these voices. Do you like that? Well, I haven't eaten this shit in six months. Do I look like a voice late to you? No, Lester, no. No, no, nothing. Hey, Lester, you know we got a lot of money riding on this thing. I'll make sure sure Benny's going to deliver our winner. i got to go back on my time. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. You look very good fat, you know what I mean? It does something for you. I'll tell you something else. That creep is running for it. Don't Benny know what's going to happen to him if his brother don't come in first? No, listen, listen I'm going to talk to Benny in St. Louis this evening. You're going to do that. If his brother's still behind, I'll lean on him a little bit. Don't worry. you got nothing to worry about. Cannonball Buckman is going to win this race one way or another. Huzzah, and welcome back to another movie mug. A movie and a mug of something. I'm Steve Piggott. Now, I've been asked why I label my podcasts explicit um, when there isn't really anything explicit about them. Well, I listen, I don't really listen back to them once they're recorded or edit them realistically. You know, I add the uh, intro and the outro, but I don't really listen to the whole thing. Um, they are what they are, mistakes and all, and consequently, I'm not sure or remember if I swear. So I'm erring on the side of caution and I label them explicit. Um, but this one, this one's going to be different. And the reason is because I fucking love this movie. <laughs> uh, and I'm also extremely pissed off with myself for basically forgetting about it and letting it almost rot on VHS in my loft. Um, previous listeners will know that I've got a load of videotapes up in my loft and I've been bringing them down and rediscovering some films that I'd just completely forgotten about um, and talking about them and then deciding whether or not they are worth a digital upgrade um, of which this one most definitely is some of them aren't even available digitally you know on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever but um, this one is um, I certainly haven't seen it for uh, well I've known my wife for 16 years she's never even heard of this film so it's at least 16 years since I've seen it and I think it's possibly 20 plus since I've actually watched this film now um, before we go any further as for the mug well let me tell you something about this film this film made me want a beer beer plain and simple I wanted a brewski I wanted a pint now the only problem with that is I don't really like beer <laughs> now that's probably going to be a bit controversial um, but I you know, I, I did drink beer for nearly 20 years. Pints, bottles, lager. Um, I started drinking alcohol, I think I was probably about 15 or 16. I had a mate, a guy called Danny, who looked 20, even though he was younger than me. And he could easily get served in off-licenses and supermarkets and places like that without even being ID'd. Um, and he would go, get us beer and we would, you know, we would, we would drink it. But... Um, and I kind of went along with it, I guess, you know, uh, I, I drunk it because that's what you did. That's what a guy does. He drinks beer, yeah, knocking back a, uh, a pint or a, a bottle. And I, I guess I kind of suffered in silence. And it wasn't until I got a lot older, I'm in my late 30s now, and I realised, who the hell am I trying to impress here? You know, what, what, what am I getting out of this? I'm drinking something that I don't really like. I'm not a smoker. I tried that as well. Um, it just wasn't for me. I tried beer and I drank it for 20-odd years 
but I didn't really like it. So I just kept drinking and drinking and drinking it. But, I, you know, I've knocked on the head now. I don't drink beer. The odd spirit, the odd vodka, the old Jack Daniels, but I just don't drink beer anymore. I don't like it. I don't see why I should have to do it. But, um, but this movie made me want a beer. Now, that can tell you a lot about uh, the, this film just from that uh, position there. But... I can't really explain it. Maybe it's something primitive. Maybe it's um, the reptilian brain or whatever it's called, you know, kicking in because this film's got cars, it's got girls, it's got fights, and I wanted a beer because of it. Um, maybe that is the, the, the man part of me coming out, the primordial man coming out. But, um, but I didn't have any beer, none, none knocking around. So, uh, but what I did have was the roughest, tum, tum, tumbliest, the roughest, uh, most uh, sort of grrr drink that I could come across, which was a can of Black Tiger. Um, and that's just kind of like a Red Bull knockoff as such, uh, uh, sort of a slightly cheaper version. But, uh, but I prefer the can, much, much better can. As you can see, I put a picture up of the Black Tiger. It's a taurine caffeine drink like Red Bull. Um, look at that, yes. Um, so, but back to the movie. Now, I, like I say, I saw this, um, oh, well, I, was, I would have seen this at a very, very early age. I would have been... 10 or less. My old man was obviously a bit of a fan of this film, um, and we, we got hold of it. Can't remember how we got hold of it, but I watched it many, 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 many times, probably over the next 10 years, between, let's say, sort of 10 and 20. I watched it a lot, a lot of times. But um, then just kind of forgot about it. Um, you know, I, a lot of things were going on around about when I was 20. I moved and stuff like that away from my parents and what have you. So I kind of just forgot about it. Um, now, a year before this film was released, the director and actor, Paul Bartel, released a film called Death Race 2000. Now, that's the 1975 version of Death Race 2000, not the rather sort of deficient update that came out a few years ago, which has subsequently spawned a, a sequel, uh, of which I've not seen. I've seen the remake. Blech. Um, the sequel, I'm not even going to bother. Now, Death Race 2000, um, it, I think it's a silly movie. It's not unenjoyable. I think it's just plain silly. And as a kid, I wasn't actually allowed to watch it. So that's why um, I'm talking about it, because I was allowed to watch this film, which it's got the same director, it's got the same director, it's got the same star, and it's got an almost, it's got a very similar premise of a uh, Trans-America illegal street race. Um, and I thought for a long time, even before I probably even really knew what a sequel really was, I thought this was a sequel. Uh, it isn't. Uh, and after having seen Death Race 2000, uh, you know, many years later, um, what I can tell you is I think this is a far superior, a far funnier, even though I think Death Race 2000 was supposed to be a funnier film. This was, this is actually a funny film. A much more accessible film. Anybody can watch this and uh, and enjoy it, I think. Um, it's got two titles now. It's got uh, its original official title um, for its American release, which was Cannonball. But the problem that I got with that is it's... Um, I confused it then with the films that lampooned the premise of this illegal street race uh, from LA to New York uh, a few years later on with a you know huge cast of stars in the 80s headed up by uh, Burt Reynolds and um, Dom DeLuise uh, also known as uh, dun, 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 Captain Chaos yes I'm talking about the Cannibal Run films uh, and they were fine don't get me wrong they were reasonable films um, but it's this one and the UK title 1976 Carquake uh, let me do that again with a little bit of production on its ass. Carquake. Ooh, nice. Um, Carquake for me, it's the real fucking deal. Now, that's twice I've dropped the F-bomb. <laughs> I think the explicit badge has been fully earned. Fuck yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's free. Um, 
score. Now, Death Race 2000, like I said, it concerned itself with a futuristic race from coast to coast. Um, it, it, they were in cars built to kind of resemble gladiator chariots. You know, they had eyes and they had teeth and, and such. And, you know, and it had its fans and it was all about, you know, sort of mowing people over and getting points and that kind of stuff, you know. Um, Carquake, though, is set in the 70s in which it was released. And it uses contemporary cars from yeah, all walks of life, basically, pretty much, you know, from the American muscle, the European muscle, and just the plain old ordinary car. Um, racing 2,500 miles across the country for a £100,000 prize at the end. Our star, uh, played by David Carradine, uh, is Coy Cannonball. Bachman. Now his nickname's Cannonball. Um, it kind of makes sense because I guess that you know that you couldn't really have a nickname Carquake. It'd be a bit silly. So, but I think Carquake is a better title for the movie. Um, he's a parolee, wrongly imprisoned, recently released. Um, that basically, if he gets caught doing anything illegal, you know, like entering an illegal car race, maybe that he'll be going back to prison. But he's uh, but he's a real good driver, he's a shit odd driver, and he's also looking to get his racing career going again. Um, dragged along in his ride, at least for the first part of the film, is his parolee officer girlfriend Linda, played by Veronica Hamill. Um, Coy's brother, is, Coy's brother is in it. He's played by the one and only Dick Miller. Now, you know from him from Gremlins, he's Mr. Futterman with the, um, uh, was it the Combine Harvester or the Tractor or whatever it is. I can't remember now. It's been a while since I've seen Gremlins. Maybe I should do that one as well. Um, he plays his brother who is kind of betting everything. Uh, he's not a driver. He's not in the race. But he's betting everything uh, on his brother winning the race through local mobster Lester Marks, who is played by the director Paul Bartel. Um, now at the beginning I played you a dialogue clip and he was one of those three, Paul Bartel and he's flanked in that particular scene by none other than Martin Scorsese and Sly Stallone now you probably got the Sly Stallone voice but you wouldn't have got the Martin Scorsese voice they're in little cameos and that's basically those lines from that scene that's basically it from this film but it's very nice though they're actually sitting in a uh, rather opulent mobster uh, uh, mansion um, eating a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, <laughs> so uh, you've also got Coy's uh, arch rival in the race um, not just in winning the race but also for a job with the uh, modern motors racing team because like I said Coy's wanted to get his uh, racing career going again um, Who's and he's key, the, the, the uh, manager is keeping an eye on the races uh, Cade Redman who is the one who's also trying to outrun and smash up you know, and plain old beat his rival um, but he also has to contend with a couple of um, uh, tagalongs in his car, uh, country and western uh, singer, wannabe West, uh, singer, uh, Perman Waters played by Jarrett Graham, who was in La, two weeks ago's class reunion, film I spoke about a while ago, um, and his mother I think he's his mother anyway, who are, but they're paying for the ride uh, to New York where Perman will perform, but on, uh, on the way, he'll be doing some live broadcast from, uh, from the car, at least trying to, seemingly every time he starts a live broadcast um, and uh, wants to sing his song that sing his song that uh, Redmond and Buckerman battle do battle ramming each other's cars and stopping him from singing and it's uh, a little ongoing thing throughout the film but there's plenty of other races too you've got uh, almost for some strange reason James Keach plays German race driver uh, Wolf Meser um, he's got the most ridiculous German accent you've ever ever heard listen to this <laughs> Accept this 
Keach, of course, is playing it for laughs. He's as German as my knockwurst. Um, that's a joke. But uh, it's over the top ridiculous. Um, but he's also the only character in the film with intro music. You heard it at the beginning. Da, 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 da. <laughs> which, which I love. I think that's fantastic. There's also Robert Carradine, uh, David's half brother, and Belinda Balaski, Belinda Balaski, who played Jim and Marianne. Who uh, they're not so much racing across America as more like sauntering kind of across America, but they're in the race as well. There is a van with uh, three girls. They're the uh, the eye candy from the film, or at least two of them are, um, and they're constantly being harassed throughout the film by uh, Butel Morris, who's driving the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Schulenberg's Lincoln across the country for them, so they can have their car when they fly into New York. So he's basically. He's, he's, he's been hired to drive their car and he's now entered it into the race. And every encounter he has with these three girls in the van, he ends up worse off. He gets ran, rammed off the road and he's got this thing throughout the film whereby he's got their picture, picture of the Schulenbergs, the people who own this car, in the car on the kind of visor. And at one point, after he's uh, been knocked off the road about two or three times, he turns it around, kind of going, you know, shaking his head because the car's getting absolutely trashed. Then there's Terry McMillan, played by Carl uh, Jaws Gottlieb. Um, now I say Jaws because he wrote the screenplay for the first few movies, and he was actually in the first one as Meadows, who was uh, one of Mayor Vaughan's advisors. He's driving his uh, Chevy truck uh, in the race, but he's the race's token cheat. You know, there's always someone who's trying to look for a better way of doing things, and he leaves his family behind in LA, actually flies his car to New York. Uh, to meet also his East Coast lover uh, and an easy victory, he thinks. Uh, and finally, there's Coy's uh, Bezzy mate and uh, general mechanic Zippo, who actually builds his car for him and also builds himself an identical car, uh, enters the race wearing with the same car, the same colours, wearing the same clothes, um, as the idea is to run cover for him, kind of thing, you know, like a sort of like a cut and chase kind of uh, aspect to the movie. Um, and finally, apart from Stallone and Scorsese putting in that little quick cameo that I talked to you about, you also get Roger Corman, who's the producer of this film. You all know Roger Corman, I'm sure. Uh, and one Mr. Don Simpson of Simpson and Brookheimer fame, who also co-wrote the script with Bartel. They play the DA and assistant DA trying to shut down the race at the beginning. But also two other people crop up, real, real brief cameos. Joe Dante, who later went on to direct films like Gremlins, that I talked about a minute ago, and Piranha and stuff like that. And Jonathan Kaplan. Also a director. They make very, very brief appearances in the film. So the film is kind of fueled by a star power before most of these were stars. You know, the biggest star in the whole film would have probably been David Carradine um, for the whole kung fu aspect of it. But there's a lot of people in here went on to do a lot of other bits and pieces. So this is this is low budget filmmaking, you know, but it's good low budget filmmaking. The racing, it feels gritty and visceral. There's lots of low tracking shots, you know, uh, throughout the cities, which look particularly good. You know, he's, he's Bartel's done a fantastic uh, uh, job of the difference between the uh, the cities and the open road and the very very low low panning shots throughout the cities of the cars and the, the backs of the cars and in front of the cars and you can you know it makes it look the the skyscrapers uh, look that much bigger and then uh, out in the country and in the deserts you know they're much more sweeping pans and aerial shots you know tires squeal cars race by the music you know it's suitably gonzo as you've heard from the sort of porno kind of aspect of it uh, it's glorious stuff you know he, he sure knew how to direct uh, a car people yeah not so much um, you know, it's, there's 
strangely can go from one sort of hard-hitting fist fight to next feeling a little bit sort of limp-wristed, but, you know, I'll come to that. Um, the acting, it's mostly superfluous. It doesn't really matter, though. It's a cheeseball script, and it's played for laughs. Carol Dean kind of smolds his way through most of the film, but you do buy his kind of guts and determination. You know, the, 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 the guy who's been knocked down is trying to get back on his feet kind of uh, determination from him. Um, but the best in the film for me would easily be Dick Miller as his brother, uh, who plays a kind of skitty, kind of almost cockroachy kind of character, just trying to get by and you know doing what he can to uh, to get his brother to win. Uh, and Jerry Graham, I think, is really really good in this. He's the kind of he's the mama's boy country singer, um, who's just trying to sing his song in a car going 100 mile an hour plus, um, which is, 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 is a constant source of amusement throughout the film. Um, and I guess the least said about James Keach's German accent, the better. Uh, but like I said, it's played for laughs and totally intentional. I hope I really hope so i mean i love this film it's a real real quality little title it's got its faults possibly mostly low budget kind of faults um you know which isn't really there for guys you know this is a roger corman production but uh, but i kind of like it for the faults as well um there's a couple that uh, to watch out for a couple of really key scenes to watch out for become the, the the really big faults as such but they're fun faults um benny obviously his brother needs coy to win this race and his life kind of depends on it with all the bets he's laid and you know his mob connections and what have you um, and he plants a bomb on one of the cars. Now, I'll not say which one, although the scene is set up very early in the film, but I'll leave that for when you watch the film. The car does duly explode, um, killing the driver. Um, and the very, very next scene, the, the car explodes. The very next scene, you get the organiser of the race reading about it in the paper, <laughs> on the front page of the paper. Now... <laughs> Think about that. This film's two, the rate. The, so the race is two and a half thousand miles, and that takes place, um, you know, well, roughly over the course of about two days. Set off early one day, drive overnight. They'll be there the next day. You know, two and a half thousand miles. If you're doing a, you know, a constant sort of one fifty, one sixty, it'll probably take you about two days to do that. Um, so how the hell is he reading it about it in a paper? And get this, he's on a plane when he reads it in the paper as well. So he's not only reading it on the front page of the paper shortly after it happened, he's in the air as well. Um, I guess you've got to put aside your suspension of disbelief, uh, dis- suspension of disbelief just a little bit. Um, yeah, it was lack of internet, no mobile phones, that kind of stuff. So I guess they've got to show it somehow how he got the information that the uh, the car had exploded. But, uh, but it's a funny way to look at it, and it's um, it's quite it's quite uh, it's quite interesting. There's also um, there's some good fight scenes in the film as well. There's you know sort of fisticuff. There's a lot of car fight scenes. You know cars being rammed off. Um, but there's a couple of good fist fights as well, mostly between uh, Cannonball and Redmond. Mostly, um, that's the kind of like the the sort of fight they've got going on, not just in the car but outside of the car. And there's some good ones. There's a decent one inside of a uh, gas station, sort of supermarket kind of um, sort of so petrol station kind of uh, thing, but from the 70s. But a little later on, Benny again, Benny sends um, his chief goon to arrest who what what he thinks is uh, Zippo. Sorry, uh, yeah, Zippo, um, in a kind of in a, in a fake cop uh, uniform on a fake cop bike or a real cop bike that he's nicked, but he, he goes to arrest him to take him out of the picture so that his brother can win the race. But his uh, his goon makes a mistake and actually tries to arrest Cannonball Buckman, um, and then he gets into a, a fight between Cannonball and the goon, and the fight is so limp-wristed it's unbelievable Carradine almost looks like he could not be bothered with you know he's obviously he's leaning on some of his kung fu trademark kicks but they're so you know uh, 
and they're more like taps than kicks and it's just like you know it's pretty pathetic to say the least it doesn't really sell you on the fact that they are going at it uh, uh, you know tooth and nail um, and that's that's pretty that's bad you know you kind of watch that fight and you go oh god it looks like he's just you know just can't be bothered um, but the best one though the easily the best one and probably the most famous for this film is the well the poster actually sets up the poster of the film claims that you will see the pile up of the century okay right so uh, in the sort of like the dying embers of the film you get uh, an overturned car that's that's um, uh, in the middle of the road and then it gets hit by a truck coming on it's in a motorway four lane motor three or four lane motorway gets hit by a truck which then gets hit by another car then that gets hit by another car and another car and another car and then suddenly all these cars start coming in or hitting it um, but they don't just crash they don't just crumple they don't just come to a halt they explode and they explode again and again and again and big plumes of smoke and fire and oh excuse me uh you know and a lot of these cars strangely look very very similar um probably just filmed from different angles again budgetary restraints um and like i said none of them simply pull up they smash into them at full speed even after the sort of like the i don't know 14 15 16 car they're still smashing into it at full speed rather than pulling up um and then the van of girls appear this is the funniest bit the van of girls appear that i mentioned earlier on with the hotties in and they see the wreck and they slowly uh, wind their way through the wreck you know turning left turning right turning left turning right interesting enough they're looking at what everything's going around them. no bodies no bodies in these cars <laughs> low budget um so they're winding away through the wreck trying to avoid all these exploding cars and all that get to the other side and then the money shot you get an aerial view of the carnage and there's about five cars there <laughs> that are smashed up <laughs> um you know so you, you got this huge beforehand of all these cars smashing into one another. you get an aerial shot there's about five cars um four years later of course blues brothers i think you know sort of took the sheen off of that claim of the pileup of the century but hey it's good fun um like I said, though, I, I enjoy this film. It's, it's, a, it's a great little film. What's missing, though, for me, is um, a competent threat from the law. That's what's missing for me. There is no... The, the cops, and even the DAs at the beginning of this film, they're as dumb as shit. Absolutely, brutally dumb as shit. Um, and I guess, to some degree, it would have distracted from the, 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 the story of the races um, or the sort of showdown subplot between Cannonball and Redmond, which, incidentally enough, culminates in a scene that, um, that, that Speed made so famous 18 years... 18 years? Not 18 years later... Um, in a, uh, a missing chunk of uh, motorway, shall we say? Uh, but um, but the you know what he really needed was a, um, a like an Earl McGraw character, you know, um, for those who know what I'm talking about from Dust Till Dawn and uh, Planet Terror and whatever, um, you know, or at least some sort of you know a Smoky, if you will, for these bandits, um, you know, to up the threat level a bit, you know, and maybe that's something for a remake, maybe, um, which. Speaking of it, I think the potential here is sky high. Forget the lampoon in the likes of your Cannibal Run and you know, Cannibal Run 2, and then there was a third one. Then there was also the Gumball Rally and various other little ones. But there are, a lot of them were played for laughs. Um, you know, there were a lot of a lot of comedic affair. And of course, the Death Race 2000 remake went for the kind of Xbox generation. You know, of accumulating points and killing people kind of thing. This is much more hard-edged, brutal, honest racing. Um, you know, using tactics and you know, good good pedal to the metal kind of racing. Um, it's probably a bit of a firm favourite in the Top Gear offices, and if it's not, it should be. But I believe it's as ripe as hell for a remake. Um, I wonder what Michael Bay would make of this. Hmm. Um, 
Now, before I go, um, I just wanted to add a, a shout-out section, um, a sort of um, a sine wave of greetings, a <laughs> sine wave. <laughs> uh, if anybody remembers the sine wave kind of demos of the uh, Amiga 500 back in the, what would it have been, late 80s, early 90s? Um, let me explain. They were kind of they were linked almost intrinsically with the European uh, pirate scene on computer games back in those days. Um, it's, you know, the demos were a bit of a pissing contest, I guess, you know, really to see who was the, the best coder. Um, and they would produce these little demos, little showcases of what they can get a computer, in this case, it was the Commodore Amiga, um, to do, you know, fancy graphics and, you know, um, electric sort of sound uh, tracks. And and Bob's was, was one of the things, you know, these little, little balls on the screen, they would try to up the number of balls they could get rotating on the screen and then fill them with colours and different... You know, I mean, compared to today's sort of, you know, Call of Duty's whatever it was it was nothing but we're talking 20 years ago uh 22 23 years ago but they would also put these messages on the um in the demos in the form of like a scrolling sine wave with uh, you know with thanks to various people people they knew people they wanted to sort of diss and whatever and they, they would all be all handles you know uh, i can't even think of any off the top of my head but you know that's cb kind of thing um, anyway, I, I just wanted to give a, a few shout outs to um, a kind of a verbal follow Friday as such for some uh, Twitterers uh, that I know. Um, firstly, IndieWood at IndieWood Films. I talked about AD Lane last week. He's making a UK horror film, uh, which you can get involved in by bringing a producer for as little as a £10 donation. And there are some really, really sweet little producer perks. So I urge you to go uh, follow uh, IndieWood Films um, and uh, get involved. Uh, Askast Blog. Nice work you guys are doing. Keep it up. Uh, at Forgotten Flicks, great line of little pods along the similar lines as my own. A bit more in depth, um, but I love listening to you guys. You do a really good job. Uh, at Movie Boozer. Now, I don't drink, as I said, um, uh, at least pints, but um, I don't think you have to to enjoy their site. Um, and uh, finally, a couple of friends of mine uh, worth following. Uh, at Retro Crumpet, at ITAF83, at Rocksteady74, and at Jabba1983. Much power to you guys. Salute. Anyway, Carquake, I love this flick, man. I'm going to say it once more. It's fucking awesome. Um, that's four. Definitely earned my explicit tag, I think. It's funny. It's mean. It's it's a throwback film, you know, and I'm going to watch it now that I've rediscovered it. I'm going to get it digitally because you can. I found it. Um, I've also found it's on YouTube as well. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you can go to YouTube and you can watch it. No, you didn't hear that from me. Um, but Cannonball, or my preferred title, Carquake from 1976, this week's movie mug. A man could be proud of. I'll keep driving, driving, driving. I don't know what else I can.